Hello, hello. Welcome to my reinvented podcast, Taboo, where we talk about all the things people are afraid to talk about. If it makes you uncomfortable, I'm probably going to talk about it. Life is too short for ambiguity. So thank you for listening, and here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Taboo. Today, I'm going to be talking about the mind-gut connection. I have actually had a lot of people message me with questions regarding their diet and their digestion and issues that they have with these things. And so I guess I'll start off with talking about irritable bowel syndrome because this is the diagnosis that is most commonly given to people who have GI issues. Our GI system is our gastrointestinal tract, for those of you who don't know. And irritable bowel syndrome is a super common disorder that we have nowadays, and it affects the stomach and the intestines. And people who suffer from irritable bowel syndrome, which I'm going to call IBS for short, usually have symptoms along the lines of cramping, stomach pain, bloating, gas, burping, diarrhea, constipation, or both. They consider in the medical world IBS a chronic condition that usually requires long-term management. Most of the people have pretty mild symptoms, but for some people it can be really stressful and really debilitating. And historically, we didn't know what to do with people who had IBS, and so oftentimes we would just tell them to improve their diet, try to manage their lifestyle. But as we continue to do research and we continue to learn about the way that our GI system works, we're discovering a lot of new things that weren't historically made clear to us before. So even though our brain and our gut seem really far apart, they're actually so interconnected. They actually have started to call our stomach or our GI system our second brain. And in that GI system, we have something that's called the enteric nervous system. And while we have that big brain in our skull that's responsible for calculating numbers and thinking about finances and planning out what we're doing next week, our stomach is doing a whole other series of things. It's controlling digestion from the second that we think about food. And there are studies that have shown that just the thought of what you're going to eat or the food that you want when you're hungry starts to increase the production of stomach acid. And... The GI's tract starts from the time you put a piece of food in your mouth. Whenever you swallow, whenever you chew, you're releasing enzymes that help break down food. And this helps control the flow of blood that helps with nutrient absorption all the way down to going through the intestines and being eliminated in the toilet. And I also want to preface this with I'm pulling all of this information from John Hopkins University, from studies being done at Harvard Medical School. So these are real institutions that are doing actual work. And this is not Facebook news. So all of this is out there. It's at your fingertips. You can look up any of the things that I talk about in more detail online. But I'm going to talk about first the enteric nervous system, which is the second brain, a.k.a. our stomach and our GI tract. And as they continue to do more research at these large educational institutions like Harvard, MIT, John Hopkins, and places with these big medical centers, they're realizing that our enteric nervous system triggers huge emotional shifts. 
And this is what causes irritable bowel syndrome and functional bowel problems like constipation, diarrhea, bloating, stomach pain, having upset stomachs. It's not really known which one comes first. For example, decades ago, researchers and doctors thought that anxiety and depression created the stomach problems. But now as we continue to do more research, we're not sure if it's the other way around, that because we have GI problems and we're having digestive problems, it's throwing off our mental health. So regardless of which came first, the chicken or the egg, it is obvious that these are interrelated and that the health of your gut influences the health of your mental capacity and vice versa. So, for example, researchers have found evidence that irritation in our GI system can send signals to our central nervous system or our upper brain, and this can trigger changes in our mood. This can create symptoms of anxiety, symptoms of depression, symptoms of anger. And so they're using this uh, findings and the research that they're getting to explain why a higher than normal percentage of people who have IBS and have functional bowel problems often end up being diagnosed or um, developing depression and anxiety. And the current statistics show that 30 to 40% of the population has functional bowel problems at some point, which is crazy. That's almost half of the population. And we know that our gut health is super important. We know that 70% of our immune cells live inside our gut, which is why it's so important to have healthy gut flora and a good microbiome, which is why the whole rise of the probiotics movement and the prebiotic movement has started to be a trending topic in the healthcare world. So this new understanding that we've developed of how interconnected our enteric nervous system is with our central nervous system explains why now a lot of people who go to the doctor, whether that's their primary care doctor or a gastroenterologist, the, you know, the stomach doctors, the GI doctors, are often offered antidepressants and mind-body therapy like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a type of regular therapy, or medical hypnotherapy. Because they're realizing that because these two systems, our upper brain and our lower brain, are communicating with each other, they, their guess is, okay, maybe if we help the mental health, it will help the stomach health. Or maybe if we put this person on probiotics and help their stomach health, it will help their mental health. So in a way, they've kind of described it as gastroenterologists or the doctors who are specializing in the digestive conditions are almost like the therapist of our stomach. So how can they calm down our stomach and help us find relaxation to improve our overall mental health? And so, you know, depending on who you talk to and what kind of practitioners you're seeing, you'll get different treatment options and different recommendations for what you can do. I personally am not a huge fan of antidepressants because for me, I believe in getting to the root of the problem. So what is going on that's creating this imbalance that you feel stressed, that you feel anxious, that you get depressed? What environmental or internal factors are arising for you that are creating this mental health problem? And so it's not that the problem is all in the patient's head. It's that we need to get to the root of the problem and actually help patients learn how to rewire their way of thinking and shift their perspective on what is happening in their life, what's happening around them, the things they can control, the things they cannot control, 
And by shifting their awareness, their focus, their perspective, then we can improve the communication between our upper brain and our lower brain. If you look back historically at the sayings that we've continued to use, even in modern times, that sensation of falling in love and, oh, I felt butterflies in my stomach. That fluttering sensation is a a perfect representation of the connection between our mind and our stomach. Or when you go on a roller coaster and you start to get nauseous, the adrenaline's pumping, you're going through all these crazy motions on the roller coaster, sometimes just thinking about situations that might make you anxious, speaking in front of a large group of people, meeting your significant other's family members, applying for a new job, attending an interview, a lot of these things can induce those anxiety symptoms, that nauseousness, the sweaty palms, the racing heart rate. And so if our thoughts can change what's happening in our GI system, it can also work the other way around. Our GI tract is so sensitive to our emotions, whether it's happiness, whether it's sadness, anger. Have you ever been so angry and you've had a huge argument with somebody and after you're just simply not hungry, you just feel so gross? All of these feelings from our upper brain are triggering these symptoms in our gut. And so this is perfect evidence of how our brains have a direct effect on our stomach and our intestines. So our entire GI tract. This is especially true, I think, when we have people who have all these GI symptoms and we've done a million dollar workup Usually when people have this, we send them to the GI doctor, they do an endoscopy, they may do a colonoscopy depending on their symptoms, they do all of these blood works, and all of the labs, all of the imaging is completely normal. We cannot find anything wrong. And so when we look at this, that's when IBS comes into play as the diagnosis when people are like, okay, we're going to call this IBS. It's almost like a diagnosis of exclusion which in the medical world means we've ruled out all of the dangerous things. We've ruled out all of the things that we can give a name and treat. And so we've created this category called IBS based on the symptoms, based on the presentation, based on the lack of evidence that we can find to support this. So how can we improve our gut health and change this relationship between our upper brain and our lower brain? It really comes back to things that you may have heard me harp on in previous podcast episodes. One, eat tons of fiber-rich foods. Start yourself on daily probiotics or eat probiotic-packed foods. Fiber helps stimulate the growth and the diversity of that good gut bacteria, that microbiome that helps us fight off foreign invaders, activate our immune system. And so eating things like sweet potatoes, beets, Carrots, spinach will help naturally enhance our microbiome in our stomach. Fruits, vegetables, these are the staple foods that are full of all of the vitamins, minerals, and they have tons of fiber that we need. Whole grains are another great source of fiber too. So if you're somebody who's still eating a lot of white bread, I would highly recommend switching to something that's full of seven grain or whole wheat. And then when you're talking about probiotic-rich foods, it's really anything that's fermented. Kombucha is one of the trending ones right now, but also foods like yogurt, sauerkraut, 
kimchi. These have all been staple foods known for their gut-boosting abilities because of how much probiotics they contain. And think about if you have kids or when you were a little kid, anytime you were sick or you had an upset stomach, your parents probably gave you yogurt, bananas, oats, soft things, soup, things that would help soothe your stomach. Yogurt historically has been known as one of the ones that has the most lactobacilli, which is one of the most common gut bacterias. And people who eat a lot of yogurt have been shown, obviously, to have a higher amount of this lactobacilli in their intestines. And then they have fewer enterobacteria, excuse me, which is the bacteria that's linked with chronic inflammation. So if you can't get the probiotics and the fiber from your foods, then this is where I say probiotic supplements are great. It's a super popular thing right now as the importance of our gut health continues to make itself known through our research, through our studies, through people talking about it. And while probiotic supplements aren't the number one way, it's still a way that you can help give your microbiome a boost and you can help restore your gut health to a healthy condition. Especially if you're somebody who requires antibiotics, you know, like people who have really bad acne and they're prescribed doxycycline or tetracyclines or they're given clindamycin or, you know, if you've had some sort of crazy dog bite or infections and you've been on antibiotics, most of us in the medical world will tell people to take these antibiotics with a probiotic supplement because this helps prevent antibiotic-associated killing of all of our microbiome because antibiotics wipe out not only the bad bacteria, but the good bacteria too. So if you're not sure which probiotic supplement to get, I would recommend looking on Amazon, reading customer reviews, look for a product that's well-rated, that has several hundred reviews, and you can read people's testimonials. Most probiotics are very safe for anybody of most ages, But if you have any questions, I would highly recommend following up with your uh, doctor or somebody medical that you may know. Another thing that you can do to improve your mind-gut connection and health is exercise. Movement is so important, which if you've been following me for a while, you've heard me harp on this over and over again. Movement also helps our microbiome. In both animal and human studies, researchers have found that exercise promotes increased biodiversity of the bacteria that we need for digestion and all of our GI functions in our gut. And while several studies highlight the roles exercise and diet can play together in positively impacting our gut health, a 2019 review done by Harvard specifically reported that exercise had the potential to alter our gut bacteria composition and functionality regardless of what kind of diet we had. So basically, this finds that no matter what you're eating, if you're exercising, if you're moving your body, you are increasing your gut bacteria, you are increasing the diversity of the amounts and the types of bacteria that are in there, and this improves their overall wellness. And in this same study that I was talking about, they observed that people who had exercised and were particularly lean, so healthy BMIs, overall healthy, no high blood pressure, no high cholesterol, no medical problems, they were more likely to reap the gut health benefits from exercise than individuals who were overweight, obese, or had underlying medical problems. This next one's going to be a bit of a damper for some of you. And if you're in close proximity to me, I've probably told you this. 
Stop drinking alcohol or limit your alcohol intake. Although alcohol has become a societal norm and every social outing that you go to likely involves some sort of alcohol, alcohol kills our bodies. It is toxic. That is why alcohol is a drug, even though we have somehow forgotten that. Drinking a lot of alcohol kills your gut bacteria. It definitely negatively affects your microbiome. We have evidence of this. Repeated alcohol use and people who drink all the time often come in to see medical practitioners like myself when I was working in urgent care for something that we call gastritis. They get really bad epigastric pain, so that pain right in the center of their upper abdomen, or it can be in the left upper quadrant, so right underneath your ribs on your left side. And this is often caused from that chronic irritation of the gut. And it doesn't have to be chronic. If you go out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you have 10 shots and a bunch of different kinds of alcohol, you can irritate that gut lining and create inflammation. And this inflammation is what leads to heartburn, chronic stomach pain, stomach ulcers if you do it long enough, and even bacterial infections. And so we know that drinking a lot of alcohol creates this inflammation in our intestines, which creates an unhealthy gut. And so that's why we really recommend, or I really recommend, cutting back on alcohol or removing it entirely since it doesn't really have any health benefits that we know of that you can't get from something else like fruits, vegetables, or exercise. And last but not least, something else that you can really do to help with Uh, improving your mind-gut connection is to reduce your stress levels. We know that anxiety helps trigger all of these inflammatory responses in our stomach, creates these symptoms of abdominal cramping, bloating, even diarrhea if you're super stressed. And although we think that that's just happening in our mind, stress is not just mental. This goes back to that example I was giving, the butterflies you get when you're anxious, when you're excited, the nausea you feel when you're going to do something that makes you nervous. This gut-brain connection is so important. And so finding ways to reduce our stress levels can help reduce these GI uh, GI symptoms naturally and help get our bodies back into balance. So what does that look like? It could be exercising, something I already talked about. Uh, Something as simple as a daily walk for 20 minutes can definitely increase your gut health and increase your good microbiome and gut flora. It could be something as simple as meditating for five minutes in the morning before you wake up or before you go to sleep. We already know that just sitting down for two to three minutes, closing your eyes and just focusing on your breath. You don't even have to do any crazy 20-minute meditation or anything like that. Two to three minutes of just closing your eyes and breathing will help activate your parasympathetic nervous system or our rest and digest system and lower those feelings of anxiety and stress. And you can also tie this into things like yoga. Yoga is a practice that focuses solely on breath work, on focus, on concentration, on mindfulness, on being present. And everything that you learn on the mat, when you start to do this long enough and you incorporate it into a routine, you start extrapolating and pulling that off the mat with you. And so in situations where, you know, I I just missed the train and now I'm going to be late for work, instead of panicking and getting upset and creating that stress response and inflammation in my body, I can take deep breaths and say, I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I missed that train for a reason. The next train will be here soon and I will arrive when I arrive. And so just things as simple as shifting your perspective, shifting the narrative that we tell ourselves about things can do a world of difference for our mental health. 
getting a good night's sleep. It's so important. Sleep is such an underrated mechanism for our bodies to heal themselves, for our mind to relax, for us to truly enter a state of relaxation where that monkey mind that's running around all day is no longer in control. And you see this with people who have anxiety. If you know anybody or you are somebody who's super anxious, maybe going to sleep at night is the worst thing for you. It's probably the worst time of day. Because when it's finally time to lay in bed and you're staring at the ceiling, instead of being able to just let your body relax and zone out into that spiritual realm, you start having all these thoughts about things you did in your day, what you could have done differently, what you have to do tomorrow, and the to-do list, and it goes on and on and on, especially if you have you know big events, presentations, meetings, and things like that. And this is also triggering this mind-gut connection where you start to get nervous, you can't fall asleep, you have insomnia, and that leads to a whole cascade of other effects where the next day you're fatigued, you're sleep-deprived, you don't feel well, you're cranky. So really finding ways to mitigate our stress in this society of consumerism and productivity will do a world of difference for your mental health and your gut health. And so basically, in summary, the mind and the gut are extremely interconnected. We don't know which one is controlling which. In my opinion, it's probably a combination of both. Having a optimal diet with lots of fruits, vegetables, high fiber, and protein is the best way to help make sure your gut biome is doing great. If you need to supplement that with probiotics or if you're somebody who requires antibiotics for any medical problems, you should definitely take some kind of probiotic supplement or make sure you're eating probiotic-rich foods like yogurt, kimchi, kombucha, sauerkraut, anything fermented. And then finding ways to mitigate that stress so that our mental brain also lowers its stress level. So yoga, movement, walking, exercise, anything where you're moving your body for 20 minutes, breath work, meditation, all of these ways that we can really bring down those stress levels, whether it's through the mental brain or through the gut brain, those are the ways that we can really improve our GI system, our GI health, and get rid of all of these symptoms of IBS, the bloating, the abdominal cramping, the diarrhea, the constipation. Because in the ideal world, if you're eating a good diet and you're moving every day, you should have normal, regular bowel movements two to three times a day. And I know that may sound shocking to some of you because I I have patients who would come in and tell me they hadn't had a bowel movement in four to five days and that was normal for them. And when I hear that, the first thing I'm thinking is, wow, this person really needs to up their fruit and vegetable intake and start drinking lots of water. So really making sure that in these times, especially when there's so much turmoil in the world and there seems like there's so much that's out of our control, finding those little ways that you can shift your perspective, shift your thought process, and add these small little tips for minimizing stress, minimizing anxiety, and improving your optimal health and wellness will do a world of difference. I hope you learned some cool stuff. I hope you learn how to love and nurture your gut. And I hope that you have fun trying to manage your stress, knowing that life is a game. All of this is a game. When you think about the things that actually matter in life, It's so small compared to the 95% of things that we stress ourselves out about and worry about. And so take care of yourself. 
Take care of your mental health. Take care of your physical health. Make sure you're emotionally allowing yourself to have room for all the feelings that you feel. When we suppress emotions, they will continue to come out in our bodies, whether we are aware that that's happening consciously or not. A lot of these symptoms that we have in the gut are like psychosomatic symptoms. So things that we're repressing that we don't want to talk about that are manifesting physically because our body's saying, listen to me, address this, don't suppress this anymore. And so this week I challenge you to really look into what your body is telling you. Take two to three minutes every day and just tune in. How does my body feel? What areas of my body are tight? And where, what aspects of my body can I create more room for flexibility, for strength? And how can I reduce my stress levels for the things that I can control and for the things that I cannot control? How can I shift my perspective and change my way of thinking so that the narrative is no longer woe is me, this is the end of the world, this sucks, I can't believe this is happening to me, why is this happening to me? And shifting in into, even though I can't see this right now, this must be happening to me for a reason, and I'm trusting that wherever this is going, it's going to lead me to something greater than where I am right now. And I know that that is so much easier to say than to actually do and embody But the more that we practice this, because everything in life is about practice, the better we will become at it and the better we will feel as we learn to let go of the illusion of control and flow with the punches that life gives us, with the things we weren't anticipating, with the things we cannot control. I hope this was helpful. If you're still listening, thank you so much. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, feel free to DM me at Chris Alec on Instagram. You can also visit my website, kristenholisticwellness.com and send me a message there. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one about any of these topics that I've mentioned or just improving your overall health and wellness, feel free to shoot me a DM or check out my website. Have a wonderful day or night, wherever you may be. Until next time.